Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss, the official podcast of Somos Moss NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. Uh, joining me tonight, special guest, Harry Austin, at, uh, you guys know him on Twitter, uh, Twitter, YouTube, Reddit, wherever as Ramacall. Uh, Jacob and Earl are not here tonight. We do want to, of course, pass along our well wishes to Earl and his family. Uh, they served a death in the family uh, yesterday, so Earl will not be joining us uh, this week. And Jacob is out. He's got a sick kid. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, everyone, Jacob and his kids you know, get back to full health. And Earl and his family, you know, they're in our thoughts uh, and our prayers uh, as we go with, with the loss. Um, They've had kind of a rough year, Earl's family has. So, um, you know, Earl's going to take some time. I don't know if he's going to be back next week yet or not, but uh, that's where we're at. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm super excited to have Harry on the show. Harry, of course, was in town this past weekend uh, for New Mexico United and San Antonio FC. And, uh, you know, Harry, first of all, you know, thank you for coming on. I know you told Jacob the other night that you, uh, you really want to come on the show this week. Um, plans changed, you know, last minute with Jacob. <laughs> Very <Earl>. last minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jacob literally texted me about, uh, 15 minutes ago saying that he couldn't make it. And Earl, uh, let us know earlier today that he may, that he might, uh, might not make it and then confirmed a little while ago. So, um, so first of all, you know, obviously, you know, appreciate you, you, you came up. How was, uh, how was the trip up? Did you enjoy New Mexico? I know you got to eat a couple, uh, a couple local, lo- local eats around town. You know, what did you, what'd you think? Oh, I enjoyed it. Uh, some, uh, getting there, there's not a lot in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I made the mistake of not stopping at the bathroom in Roswell and pretty much didn't see a bathroom until, you know, the Texas border going on three, 380. But um, outside of that, it was pretty nice. Uh, like I said here, weather was weather was nice, a little windy. Yeah, um, a little chilly uh, from coming from San Antonio, but uh, no, like I said here, as far as you know, being in Albuquerque, you know, like I said here, it was a fun time. Stopped at the tailgate for a little bit. Um, the curse was real nice. Unfortunately, I didn't get to meet up with the the Black Diamonds. Unfortunately, they were on the other side, and I didn't realize that. Um, met up with you uh, out at some field uh, on the what the west side of town. Yeah, because um, um, AJ wanted to go play. Soccer, uh, obviously, uh, you know, 11 hours in the car and then, you know, hotel room, not a lot of, of space to run around. So we, we bounced around the fields as, as the you know local area kids were playing games and a lot of fun. You and your kids came out and uh, got to meet uh, officially for the first time in person. And then uh, we met up uh, later on at uh, what Dion's, which Dion's, is pizza. Yes. AJ really liked pizza and uh I thought the game was a success. I'm assuming your uh, view of the game is probably a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it certainly is, and, uh, and and we'll get into that, obviously. Um, so you you know you 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 follow the show. You've been on a few times. We do have, I do typically have one burning question for the guys, and I got to ask, and I was going to ask this to, of them too. If you if you had to pick one meal, not a, a recipe, I should say, that you had to eat every day, what would it be? For me, yeah, uh, hamburger and potatoes. Uh, probably, you know, I, I like mashed potatoes, but uh, to me, I, I got it. I know this is probably wrong of me and probably why I'm a little bit overweight, 
uh, <laughs> I like my red meat. So, um, and steak, you know, in our household is, uh, you know, for special occasions, but give me, you know, give me some hamburger and, you know, you can have tacos and burgers and all sorts of stuff uh, with that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all there. You know, I, uh, I grew up in a, in a vegetarian household, at least after, after my parents split up. And so my mom went the vegetarian route. And so every <laughs> time I went to my grandmother's or to my dad's, they always had some sort of meat. Like my dad would do a pot roast about every other Sunday, you know? And, and so I, it was always a special thing to, to go and do that. I grew up in the exact opposite. Cause we grew up on a farm in Western Colorado. So we'd butcher a cow, you know, go hunting for deer, you know, had some pigs every once in a while. So meat was never <laughs> was never short you know and yeah. that's probably why i'm a meat and potatoes guy uh you know it's just how i was raised and you know like i said here uh but yeah it's it's you know i'll eat a salad you know for they're here but you know the the whole vegetarian lifestyle you know that is something that i don't think i can do personally oh no 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 i'm I, sure I, i'm sure if i had to i would you know if it was a matter <laughs> hey you know you either do this or you don't you're not here tomorrow yeah you know, it would take that type of uh, uh, decision for me to be able to give up my meats, unfortunately. Oh, no, I, I completely, I, I get that. Like, I couldn't do it. You know, I, my mom, she, I mean, she would cook meat for us, but she was always very much uh, a vegetarian, like mm-hmm. borderline. Like, she tried to serve us like tofu and things like that. And, <laughs> and uh, but no, I, I enjoy, I enjoy meat. But, you know, something I've started making recently, I've made it a few times. Um, I'll get a couple chicken breasts, throw them in, in the crock pot, throw in a, a, a container of bueno red chili. Mm-hmm. get the hot throw that in there uh, throw in like a you know, cup one or two cups of like uh, mozzarella cheese and just cook it for like eight hours and also put in some uh, of the buffalo wild wings garlic parmesan wing sauce mm. just throw all that in there cook it down for about eight hours and cook some pasta and get it all up in there it's absolutely fantastic it's super easy throw it together and uh, i could eat that for quite a while so uh but i will never say no to a good steak i'll tell you that right now yeah, no, it's uh, but yeah, it was great seeing you, you and AJ coming out. And you, you mentioned uh, we met up or on the west side. My son had a football game over at C and M, and then we met up at uh, Ventana Ranch uh, at the park right there. And yeah, so th- that park there is actually home to a number of different uh, leagues. So like I nine plays over there, mm-hmm. West Side United plays over there, and. I didn't realize that they were going to be that busy on, uh, on that particular Saturday. And I know that there's tennis courts out there and stuff too. And so um, that side of town gets pretty busy and it's, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit. It's, Albuquerque is just so spread out. Right. Like San Antonio. Like, so yeah. wide. And it just, it takes, it takes a while to get across town from there to, to here. And, and, uh, but yeah, glad you guys made the trip up. Glad you guys and uh, enjoyed the pizza. And I look like you had, or you got the, uh, the Duke city. Yes. Uh, yeah. With the chicken and green chilies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really good. Uh, Dion's of course, local favorite. Um, we had talked about going out to the frontier, but I know that after the match, I had to run and get my kids. Jacob, uh, got a ride back with a buddy of his who come in, came into town as well. And so, um, and AJ was ready to go. So yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't doubt that for a minute. Like I really it's, don't. It's like, you got the tailgate, you got to have pizza. Now it's time. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. So yeah, next time we'll, we'll head up Frontier and uh, and, and this will be what's right. That's right there at the UNM campus. And so Jacob and I will sometimes go over there and and hang out and discuss things. And so it's a great place. It's really good food, and they've got like the best cinnamon rolls in the world. Mm-hmm. You don't have to try one of those, but 
Yeah, I mean, let's just let's that'll jump be right next into... year, right? Well, yeah, depending on playoffs, but depending uh, on playoffs, yeah, that'll be next year, uh, most likely for that. Yeah, playoffs, and if the isotopes will let us uh, use the park for the postseason, so uh, that will that's gonna be a fun thing to well, see come the offseason. Maybe the isotopes won't be playing though. That is true. That is because that, that is, is in October, and typically baseball is over by that point. Yeah, I think I think the issue we ran into. Um, it's just the way the brackets came out the in 2019 and 2020. Well, 2020, obviously, you know, COVID, we couldn't play here anyway, but 2019, the way the bracket played out. Um, you guys were on the road, yeah. Yeah, we were on the road. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, San Antonio obviously came up. We talked a little bit before the match about how we felt. You know, Jacob and I both said that we felt pretty good. We gave our predictions on the show last week. Uh, I believe Earl and I both said 2 0. I think Jacob said 2 1. And, you know, I, I feel like we had a lot of things coming in that we were positive about, despite the two losses to, to Phoenix. Uh, from your perspective, coming into that match, what were you what were you looking for out of San Antonio, who we've talked about, kind of have been grinding out wins? They're not real goal heavy this year. But they're just they're doing what has to be done. So I would have been happy with the tie. Because the whenever we've gone to New Mexico, New Mexico's won by two or more goals every mm-hmm. time. And the games, you know, let's be honest, the games have been blitzed pretty early by New Mexico, you know, with the huge crowd uh, behind them. So I think for San Antonio going in, it, 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 it was about keeping New Mexico off the board early. Because I think if New Mexico gets on the board early, then San Antonio's got to chase the game a little bit more, um, which opens them up, um, which, as we saw during the game, defensively, they're probably one of the elite units, I, I think, in in USL, uh, you know, as, as a league, um, ju- just on, on how they get back. Offensively, they're still probably a little bit challenged. Um, I, I think that there are more goals that's going to be coming. Um, but you know, when you're playing, you know, if you look at who San Antonio started, it's a very defensive heavy lineup. You know, you got Collier and Dylan, you know, the two tall forwards, but Manley, Maloney, Abu, uh, PC or Victor Joe, uh, Shannon Gomez, Shannon's probably the, the third attacking threat on that. And, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's a fullback. Um, the three in the middle, you know, Connor Maloney, you know, was a fullback last year. Um, I stepped up to the DM. Abu and, and PC are all, you know, defensive midfielders primarily that, you know, they, they do have the ability to go forward and attack, but, you know, they're not like Christian Pirano or, you know, Jose Gallegos, you know, on those lines that that is that attacking threat. So I think for San Antonio to get, I don't want to say criticized, but, you know, even in like the USL power rankings, they're, you know, they're like, well, you know their XG is 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 not good, but you run you when you really look at the numbers and and John from USL Tactics has started to point this out. San Antonio is one of those teams that they give up a lot of shots, but are they really quality shots? You mm-hmm. know it's you know you know how many de- you know how many clearances does San Antonio get you know per game? How many blocks and stuff like that? So, which I think is is the key which is the key and we saw this in this match here is when you do get those opportunities and in New Mexico especially in the first half had a couple opportunities where 
they had the ability they they had the shots to be able to put in but they couldn't finish um for you know for various reasons and uh, you know unfortunately for new mexico they paid for it you know san antonio got the one opportunity with, with the pk and, and i know it was right on the line um and i'm sure we'll kind of address that down the road but you know to me i would have been happy with the zero zero draw because uh, i think for us you know to have well that was with the third match um mm-hmm. in a week um and going 120 minutes um against austin fc on wednesday you know i think san antonio fc would have took a zero zero draw um but they're you know fortunate enough to to escape uh with, with a one oh win yeah you talk about you know how san antonio came into the match and i, I was looking back and i think it was san antonio was sixth match since like april 2nd mm-hmm. So like a lot of miles on those legs here throughout the month. And obviously it's not going to get any easier, you know, <clears throat> going into the, the the round of 32 in the U.S. Open Cup eventually. But yeah, you talk about, you know, you mentioned United getting chances early and, you know, we had, we did have some like, I, I want to say we had some moments where it it really looked like we were, putting it threats in on goal. But when you look at the stats for the entire first half, we USL credits with three shots, mm-hmm. you know, only one of which was on target. And, you know, I felt like, you know, we just left a lot on the table and. But that's the issue. That's been the issue of New Mexico mm-hmm. is them being able to, to finish. Um. I know we kind of talked about it, Jacob and I did, that um, San Antonio may have benefited with uh, Nico Brett not starting. Mm-hmm. Um, he did come on in the 60th minute, but I think at that point they were down a goal, right? Uh, when was the PK? Uh, no, I think it was still nil-nil at that point because the PK was in the... Oh, the 67th, but yeah. right right at right at that time. So he, you know, he hadn't really had a, a, you know, a huge presence at that point, but to me, like I said here, you know, when I was looking at the, let's see if I can find the statistics here. Yeah. In the first half, you know, you had three shots. We had four, um, each had a shot, um, on target, but yeah, it's, it was one of those games where I thought New Mexico had the better opportunities in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, neither team finishes well. Um, obviously when, when you look at the, you know, the, the shots on target, but, Yeah, it was one of those matches, and it's something that, you know, it just, I don't know, just, and to me, we've, we've talked about it, and, and um, you know, I've, I don't know how much you, I don't know how much you pay attention to, to Facebook or, like, the fan groups and things like that, and I know, like, there's been a lot of discussions surrounding New Mexico United about, you know, a couple different players, you know, one of which, you know, Chris Weehan, one, you know, a lot of people saying, well, why isn't Sugg starting? Why isn't so-and-so starting? Why isn't Nico Brett starting? It's like, well, Nico Brett just played 190 minutes in four days so you know i i get that you know josh suggs react you know he 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 picked up a, a knock after playing against phoenix on the weekend um you know why right you know, why some of the changes what's going on with chris Weehan has been the biggest question mark all season mm-hmm. especially in terms of our midfield and so you could see moments and like one of the biggest spots for us all match long was was christian nava and 
Nafa was just I I was third. I you know I've seen him in person play several times now, and every time I see him step out there, he is he is unbelievable with what he can do with the ball. He's his, a special kid, yeah. Yeah, he is. His, his footwork is absolutely incredible. The the movements he can make, and so you saw some things out of him. Was like okay, you know, it got me thinking. You know, what if we had Christian, Nico, and like Preston all playing together? You know, yeah, Christian and and Preston out on the wings. You got Nico, you know, playing that that nine. You know, because uh, I mean, he's not a true. You know, he's not a ten. He's certainly not a true ten. And so, but the problem is getting that ball up there, getting getting that connection going forward. And just Chris Weehan missed so many opportunities to to do that. But the, I will say that he did have a couple opportunities in this match where we saw him drive forward and push the play which he hasn't really been doing this season. And we need that out of him. That's what he needs to be doing. I have your answer on why it felt, even though the shots didn't feel like it here. Mm-hmm. And the key for San Antonio, first half alone, they had 23 clearances mm-hmm. to, to five, four. And, and it was about a 56, 44% ball possession. Yeah, but I think that's why it, it felt like you know, especially from a New Mexico uh, viewpoint of, we were always pushing. You were the issue is that final third lets you down. But you know, and this is where the San Antonio defense comes in, kind of that you know, borrow a foot, you know, an American football term, the bend don't break defense. Right, is that you know they had nine, you know, seven interceptions and twenty three clearances. But that twenty three clearances, to me, is the big reason on why it felt like why it felt like you know New Mexico dominated that first half and I think everybody thought that New Mexico had the better chances until you look at the numbers it goes by that clearances San Antonio had 40 clearances for the entire match compared to 13 for you know for New Mexico that's a huge gap that tells you and it was 56 to 44 uh, possession San Antonio t- actually outshot you know, looking at the stats, outshot New Mexico 12 to 11, four on target for San Antonio to, um, you know, for New Mexico. It's that, that, and, and I know this is something that you mentioned, the connection from the midfield to the forwards or, you know, along those lines, that final connection in that final third is what's, what let, is what, at least in this game, is what let down um, New Mexico. And I think part of that has to do with how San Antonio sets up. Mm-hmm. because they set up very defensively um they set up you know with the three cent- you know with the three center backs and and the two wing backs and and you know uh you know the two two dms uh defensive midfielders so when you get down there that box is crowded um and, and that's what the issue is is you know and, and phoenix is the only one that's been able to break us down with two goals towards the end of the half um you know you know before that here, but outside of that, you know, it's, it's San Antonio hasn't gave up a lot of goals. Um, and I knew this match was going to be low scoring, mm-hmm. but I still thought New Mexico, you know, most likely would have got one, you know, at home. I'm not sure when the last time New Mexico was shut out at home. I'm assuming it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Cause we had, we were, they were writing a seven, I'm going to say 17 match unbeaten streak at home. Um, I know that I'd have to go back. I'd have to double check the scores. I want to say we had a nil nil in there at some point, but probably um, El Paso, probably. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, it's just one of those things where you, you look at the stats, and this is something that we do have to. I honestly didn't even realize the, that clearance stat, but you know, you talk about it. You talk about the three-five-two that, that San Antonio put out there on Saturday, and you would think that United would have some sort of idea how to break that down because that's exactly what we did all of last season. But you know, in, in that defensive set, it's so hard to break it down. Like you said, once you get once the defending team gets so compact in the box. You know, you put, you know, you put eight, nine guys in that defensive third. It's going to be really hard to break that down. You've got to, for me, it's one of those things where you either need to get the ball side to side, get some movement, get some guys out of position, or just try to play the ball over the top and use your, use your pace to get in behind and make the defenders turn turn towards goal. But the problem is that San Antonio has the pace on the, on the, on the defense, on the, on the center back lines. At the start of last year, you could have done that. Um, but I think Coach Marcina understood that weakness because we were getting beat over the top quite a bit with, with speed. The the center backs that San Antonio has are typically tall and mm-hmm. quick, um, you know, for that here. So t- to me, like I said here, you know, all credit goes to the de- defense. And, and um, I love Matt Perdome, don't get me wrong. You know, he's a, a San Antonio legend, you know, especially with the beard. Uh, but Jordan Farr, you know, at least at this point, you know, is a different level of goalkeeping, um, you know, compared to what compared to, you know, you'd have to probably go back to Diego in 2017, um, where we've had that that top quality uh, goalkeeper as well, which makes it different. Because I was wondering, because New Mexico typically is pretty good at, at peppering shots from the outside. Mm hmm. You know, especially with the mealed field, I think Bruce has usually has two or three a year where you know they're just bangers. But it didn't seem like they were taking a lot of a lot of shots from outside the box and hoping to get you know either um, a cheap rebound or you know something along those lines to you know to be able to you know to be able to get that cheap goal uh, inside the box off a rebound. So you talk about the last time United was held scoreless at home. You are correct. It was El Paso, July 24th of last year. <laughs> I had a feeling it was. And then, and then uh, we were also held uh, goalless against Austin Bowles on in June of last year. But yeah, it was, it was strange because, you know, one of the things we talked about last year ahead of the final match was the size disparity between uh, the San Antonio back three or four and United's players. Just really, we only have one or two guys that are listed. I think we're, I think it's maybe four guys now. They're listed at six one, and I think six <laughs> one is pushing it. You know, uh, we were talking about how you know Justin Portillo is listed as like five seven or whatever he's listed at, but he's really not. <laughs> you know, he's really not that tall. And so, you know, you mentioned Daniel Bruce. We did see a couple shots there in the second half where he did let go from distance. I mean, neither of which were, were great shots, but I mean, they were close enough to make you go, okay, you know, it's going to, maybe it'll pull San Antonio out a little bit more and get them to, to step out of that, that, that defensive set they're in and maybe open some space up inside, the, inside the area, but it just didn't happen. None of Brucey's shots were close enough to really, to, to really force San Antonio to step out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you look at guys and, and, you know, we have so much pace up top now, pace that we haven't had in the past, at least not since, not since Kevon, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think Zach has done a, a pretty good job of employing the pace that we have, you know, and, and we saw it in, 
we saw it against uh, against Phoenix the other night. You know, uh, Harry Swartz playing the ball over the top to, to Nico Brett. And, you know, Nico split the two defenders, got in and got the goal. You know, which I thought was fantastic. And I, and I think we need we need to see more of that. But, yeah, we just we just could not pull, Santa, pull you guys out of that defensive set and make someone – or force and force you guys into an error in that, in that final third. So my question is, is how do you get Nava more playing time? Cause from my understanding, that was his first start, correct? First professional start. Yes. How do you get him more time? Oh, that's tough. Cause he yeah. was, he was, to me, he was that playmaker that you guys need. Now, I would almost like to see him more in Weehan's, you know, spot on on the line on 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 the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I know Weehan's your captain, but I would almost like to see him there. And then you, if you had you know Brett and Preston up top, I think that gives you a very attacking top three. Yeah. Um, but I know Weehan's your captain, and, and he's a club legend, and you know, along those lines. But. To, to me, how do you get Nava on, on the pitch more? You know, for me, it's – and like, Christian Nava was clearly the highlight for New Mexico United on Saturday. You know, the most electric player on, on the field. Like, he was going, you know, toe-to-toe with, with some guys that he has a fairly sizable <laughs> difference with. And it was a lot of fun to see. You know, we've seen him go, against, go up against bigger guys before. And – you talk, you know, like you said, how do you get him involved? How do you get him in the in into more matches? And you know, it's tough. Like Sergio Rivas didn't wasn't even in the eighteen on mm-hmm. Saturday. You know, Josh Suggs is out hurt. You know, um, and I hate to say that it's oh, that's going to come down to injuries in order for him to get more starts like that. But you know, I definitely think. But as Rivas is, I guess my question is is is. Because my issue with New Mexico, and this is from an outsider's view, and, and like I said, I don't watch them as closely as you guys do, mm-hmm. is the lack of creativity on the attacking side. Yes. And I think he's the, uh, you know, at least from what I've seen this year, he is the one person that I think can cre- help create to, you know, help Nico and help Preston have a little bit more opportunities on there. And, and I'm not saying Weehan doesn't, but at least for the match against San Antonio, Nava was clearly, you know, the best attacking threat that New Mexico had. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him play that more, almost like a cam role. I don't know that we've seen him do that way. They typically pull him, bring him in and put him either out wide or as like, you know, the, or as like a center mid, not so as in the cam role, but um, you know, I think he could do well. In, in that area, you know, if you put Nico and Preston up top and then have, have Christian kind of drop back a little bit, I think that could be really interesting. You know, you've, and honestly, like if you did that, I'd want to see more like a four, four, two diamond, you know, have, have Christian at the top there, maybe put, you know, a Sainty at the, or a zero at the back, you know, for that defensive mid and then, you know, Justin and I don't know, maybe Sergio or bees in there to help, you know, get that ball for help facilitate the ball to Christian who uh, he drew a lot of attention. I he don't reminds me of Pirano uh, mm-hmm. from a couple of years ago where he's that, that smaller guy. Um, but he holds, he has a great balance. Um, yeah. So he, you know, he didn't, you know, he, didn't, he got knocked around, but it's not like he was getting knocked off the ball and you know, his footwork was incredible. Yeah. And, and I... to, to me, that's, 
to me, you've got to find, you know, you've got to find a way to be able to get his creativity on, on the pitch more. Um, yeah. You know, now, like I said, I'm not, you know, obviously I, I don't watch New Mexico as close as you guys do and, and know the, the specialties of the others, but at least for that one match, to me, you know, and I know, you, you know, pregame we were pre-show here, we were talking about the midfield being able, and, and I think what we're talking about here is, is, especially with San Antonio getting the clearance, either you go over top, over top, or you've got to have somebody that's that's creative that can get that special pass that you know the normal player can't get. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the missing aspect. You know, for New Mexico at this point, it goes back to that creativity, and and that's been an issue for what two three years at this point. Um, you know, we're seeing it with El. You know, I hate to say this, but we're seeing it with El Paso. Mm-hmm. you know, with Diego Luna and, and the offensive side, they've got somebody that can create off the ball and, and open things up. New Mex- I think New Mexico's improved from last year, but I don't think they're, I don't think that they're at that, that peak where they need to be as of yet. It, it's strange because, and I want to go back real quick. You talk about, you know, Christian and how he was, you know, in there banging with some guys. I thought it was really funny when they called the foul on him in the second half for, <laughs> Bane, I don't remember who it was that he who he fouled. I'm like, really, Christians, you know, 98 pounds, and he runs into <laughs> a guy you know, it's twice his size, and they call it a foul on Christian. I thought it was really funny, but um, you know, it, you know, it's going back to last year, like first half of the season, absolutely, we were like dreadful first mm-hmm. half of the season. Then you bring in Chris Weehan, and things drastically open up, and it's just not clicking the same this year. And we keep talking about, it, and I thought of his. I thought it was funny the other day when the USL championship had two stories on their front page about United or including United and Chris Weehan was the focal focus point of the pictures for, for United, you know, I'm like, okay, I understand, but like he's not performing this year and we keep talking about it, but yeah, something's just missing. It's, it's lacking in there. And, you know, I think Sergio Rivas showed us at times last year that he can be creative, that he can force the ball forward and draw attention. We've seen it from Christian Nava now, preseason and into the regular season. Like he, he's a guy that could be electric in there, and we've seen him. And I don't know if you've seen any of the any of his uh, highlights, but you know, he, his, we talk about it again, again, his footwork. Mm-hmm. You know, he's megged a few guys. He'll make some real interesting little passes and try to, you know, do some real uh, nifty link-up play. And you just see, like, the defenders just lose him at times. And they just lose track of what he's doing. And so, yeah, I would I, I would love to see Christian. Like, we've been asking for Christian, you know, since last year to get more, to get more time. And I know some folks are wanting to see him earlier season. Of course, you know, we did too, but... It, you know, it's like, okay, do you give him the start against Phoenix? We've got two matches against Phoenix, sure, but you know, do you get, really give him the start in either of those? Because yes, you want him to to grow and get those get those growth opportunities against players who are better than him. But you don't necessarily want to throw him out there for his first career start against Phoenix Rising, you know. Um, so I felt like you know, with the injuries, with the matchup this week, I felt like this was a great opportunity. Christian showed out and like I just I really want to see more from him and and yeah maybe it's gonna maybe it takes you know keeping guys like Sergio out putting be putting Weehan on the bench you know giving uh Sainty Sainty's a guy that I'm really high on 
I would love to see him get more time. And, you know, he got the start on, on Saturday. And um, unfortunately, he didn't really uh, feature a whole lot. Hmm. You know, he's a, he's a kid. He's, he's 19 years old. He is he he's got an, an incredible leg. He's got some great footballing skills, and so he's he's another guy I would, I would keep an eye on this year. But like Nava, just, he's he's got to be in there somehow. You know, put him in that cam, put him out wide, something to get him involved because he can drive the play. So here's a question for you: mm-hmm. um, Last two losses, you know, just talking the league, not talking about Open Cup. San Antonio and Phoenix. I think the San Antonio hurts because it's a little bit at home, but I think we can Phoenix and San Antonio, I think are too excusable, but the two matches prior ties against orange County at home and ties against the roots at home. Mm -hmm. So three out of the last four have been at home. Um, And then coming up, you guys have Sacramento and then, you know, you know, San Diego coming to town. So two more heavyweights, you know, from the West coming in. Thoughts on how New Mexico is kind of defending, you know, the, the, the you know, the home fort at this point, you know, because that's three matches at home without a win. And let's be honest, the USL West is very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, winning at home, unless you're making up the points on the road, is huge. Um, and I know it's, we say it's early in the season, but these We're- points add up. And more important, the first tiebreaker is head to head. Yeah. So your thoughts on kind of the home performance, you know, for, you know, for New Mexico at this point. Yeah. I mean, you, again, we can still say it's really, we're already a quarter of the way through the season. Some clubs have already played eight matches, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're there. We're quarter, basically a quarter of the way through the season already. And, and uh, you know, this is something we've talked about a lot is performance on home versus performance on the road. You know, if you go on the road, against really anybody, you pick up a, a point in El Paso, you pick up a point in San Antonio, you pick up a point in Phoenix. Those are considered good results. Mm-hmm. Now you go out to, you know, some of these other clubs, you go out to Monterey I mean, Bay, that Mo- stuff, yeah. Yeah. Monterey this year, you go out to Los Dos, you know, typically you would think that that's going to be, you know, a pretty good shot at winning you against. Now that we have the interconference, interconference play, you would think going up against some of these uh, Eastern, East, uh, Eastern conference clubs like Charleston, New York, uh, Loudon, you would think that those would be, pretty you know favorable matchups but you know like you said western conference is hyper competitive this year we've got you know more i think we've got more clubs this year that could potentially be in the race for the playoff spots than we've seen Mm -hmm. the past two years even with the way that the divisions were set up during during covid um you know united's record at home is still really good overall you know um but it's starting to show some cracks so it's, it's, oh yeah the reason, it's the reason why i'm asking this question because you know if, if you had told me that you know new mexico is what, what uh, one win at home yeah one win at home uh two draws, two draws and a loss yeah and a loss yeah it, it, that's uh, not... out of six matches uh, yeah out of six matches that you guys have played two-thirds of them have been at home yeah yeah, no, it, it's not something that anyone would have ever expected. It's not something that we that we should be happy with. It's not something that, you know, that, that we want to keep up. And I mean, this is something that goes back even into last year, you know, giving up those late goals and and something that happened last year, we talked to Troy about it a lot, was the loss of focus or, you know, United just seemed to switch off 
at times. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's what's happening this year. I, I don't see them switching off. No, I don't, I don't see so. them coming out slow. Now I will say, you know, we can't, I felt like in the second half on Saturday, San Antonio came out faster not necessarily that we were switched off, but you know, San Antonio came out better at the beginning of the second half. But you know, the ends of these matches, like the Oakland Roots one just, stands out. Yeah. yeah, Oakland Roots stands out. You know, the the one against uh, Orange County stands out too. Late goals is something that's plagued this club for years. And you know, someone made a post on on, on the New Mexico United Facebook United next week United Nation Facebook page the other day. Uh, New coach, same shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, yes, but the way it's happening, like last year, you saw like a bunch of like little funky like rebounds and deflections off people and things like that. And, um, you know, I know in uh, which match was it? I want to say, oh, the, the Phoenix, even the Phoenix match out there, you know, it was, it was just a, kind of a, a weird goal where, you know, uh, Will Seymour didn't react fast enough, and you saw. I think it was Ford. Uh, I'm talking about the cup match. You know, Ford slid over to the near mm-hmm. post to try to to try to defend against you know the the end swinger, and Will just didn't react. And I saw people blaming Ford for that. Well, you can't blame Ford for, Ford for that. You know, that's not on Ford. You know, great header. You know, went exactly where it needed to go. But um, yeah, United just. I don't. I can't quite put my finger on what it is. You know, I think it's just a lot. Uh, I think it's just being unlucky a lot of the time because, you know, I think it was, um, I can't remember if it was Orange County or Roots, one of them, but, you know, uh, Alex made a fantastic save. And then, you know, the ball came back, came back in and they, you know, they scored off a header, you know, like it's just kind of tough luck sometimes, but it's something that, and Zach has talked about it, you know, they have to be comfortable playing in those positions. They can't stop being aggressive. They can't just, you know, sit back and go, Oh, we're up to, we're up one nil. They can't be, they can't be satisfied with one nil, you know? So it's, and it speaks a little bit to the fact that we're not finishing on in the offensive third. And then we're just not, I just think we're honestly, I don't think we have enough size. Uh, in the back, especially to to defend in late game pressure situations like that, where you know you had roots just pressing mm-hmm. and pressing at the end of that match, we just didn't have have enough there to to clear those balls out, you know. And it's not a slight on any of the guys, and I mean, I'm sure that you know, I know they're giving it everything they can, but you know, it's just. The, the results have to be better. The, the, the reaction times have to be, be better. You know, getting the ball out has to be better. Um, but yeah, home form has got to improve without a doubt. And it, it you know, it's taking take a combination of those things we just talked about. So um, for you guys, you know, we talked a little bit uh, Saturday when we were over at Dion's talking about, the the roster changes for San Antonio and for mm-hmm. me so far watching you guys play I think Jordan Farr has been the biggest pickup I you know he came in there in the, in the playoffs last year had a fantastic run down to the, the conference finals and then he's been tremendous for you guys so far this year who for you so far has stood out what is you know who's really driving the results so far 
So the inter- interesting thing about Farr is he wasn't even the starter for the first three games. Mm-hmm. As we had Kristen Bonilla, you know, who came in and then he retired three games in. Um, so as, as far as an addition, we were excited because they announced Tama. And then the following day, they announced Bonilla. And we were like, okay, hey, that's going to be our two goalkeepers. And then uh, Matt Cardoni came back and they were like, well, why are we running three goalkeepers that are quality number ones? Mm-hmm. Um, now we see why. <laughs> well, well, is Matt Cardoni really a quality number one still? I think he is. He, uh, he's not an elite, okay, but he had what you know. He, he led us to what second place last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was the only goalkeeper we really had on the roster until you know he got hurt in the second half of the last match, and then you know Far came in on an emergency. Um, to me, like I said, here's. There, there's two things that, that have impressed me. Number one, Justin Dillon, the improvement that he's made from year one to year two is, you know, in San Antonio has been night and day. The only match we've lost is when he hasn't been in, in, in play. Um, you know, with that here, we just had Collier up top and, and we were injured um, with the other forwards. When he's played, San Antonio is 6-0. and um, They haven't lost yet. The other... Um, uh, Fabian Garcia, you know, number four, a center back. And then Tainer, technically he signed, although, you know, he came in kind of like Weehan last year. Uh, you know, you know, uh, he came in from Sacramento uh, mid, you know, towards the end of the year and, and, and stayed through there. But it, it's all about the defense and, and, and that back line because that three in the back allows San Antonio to do the pressure that, you know, that they want. And then they've got the the speed and creativity to be able to cover. But we saw last year with having, you know, big or slow center backs for the system that San Antonio does, and they just got tore up. Um, having these guys here that are big, physical, and quick um, makes makes a huge difference. And, and I think that's the back four of Garcia, Camary, Tainer, um, you know, you know, and 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 far. Um, and Manley, Manley's came in from RGV. He's played in, in the back line, but you know now they've got him more in the fullback and, and slide Maloney over. It's good luck trying to score against San Antonio. Uh, that's yeah. and, and, and the the biggest thing that you can see San Antonio San Antonio is four zero on the road. Wins at Orange County. Wins at New Mexico, which which they hadn't done. Um, who else was the other one at RGV, which they're starting to get uh, uh, their their act together because they just beat Sacramento. And then who was the other one? Oh, they beat you know, Los Dos uh, two to one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, you know, for San Antonio, like I said, they've been able to get, you know, four, you know, four wins on the road, which, you know, you know, we talk about, Hey, getting a tie is a good result, picking up 12 points, you know, 12 out of 12 points on the road. Um, you know, especially in places like Orange County and New Mexico, are not easy to do. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. <coughs> you know, uh, yeah. That's why, you know, opening week, you know, for us down in El Paso or second week uh, down mm-hmm. in El Paso was such a huge win, you know? Yes. Um, you know, yeah. Going to places like this, you know, where, cause clubs like San Antonio, New Mexico, really, you know, most of these Western conference clubs, especially those who are, who have been in contention for the past four or five years, they're very good at home. 
Correct. They're, they're tough to beat. And so, you know, anytime you, you go out there, if you like a win on the road is just that much better than, than anything else. Um, uh, so real quick, you know, we're talking about Matt Cardone. I would do a little, uh, would you rather? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Talk about how you, you said Matt Cardone is a, is a number one. So, uh, Matt Cardone or, uh, Vitiello. Who's he play for? Sacramento. Uh, I like Matt. Da, 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 da. Let me see Sacramento's numbers. I'm assuming you're leaning towards Sacramento, right? Uh, in this case, I would, yeah, because they've they've run out two different keepers so far this year. Uh, yeah, I'll give the edge to Sacramento. Okay. Uh, would you go Cardoni or? Colin Miller from RGV. Uh, uh, San Antonio. Okay. And that's even over – well, Tyler Derrick, I think, is an MLS quality goalkeeper. Yeah. I think if he's playing, I think it's a little bit different. But uh, Colin Miller, I'd still go with uh, with uh, Cardone. I'd have to look and see how many starts uh, Tyler's had this year. I think he's only had one. I could be uh, wrong. Has he had one? Uh, I know he I just I think so. I know, I know he's credited with a few saves. I think he's had one start. I'd have to look that up. All right, uh, Matt Cardoni or Caldwell from uh, Colorado Springs? A lot depends on the defense in front of him. That's that's the issue. Um, yeah. Caldwell doesn't impress me yet. Okay. You know, I'm assuming you're leaning Caldwell. Um, and this, could, I would probably lean Cardoni, but it's it's close. It's close. Yeah. To- now, what I say by Matt's a number one goalkeeper, he's a he's an above average goalkeeper for USL. Okay. So, so would you take? I'm him not over- saying he's top five or even top ten in the league. Okay. But I do think he's in the top half, top half of the league. I think Jordan Farr is probably a top ten in the league at this point, maybe even top five so far on this year. Okay. Does I was kind of curious. Sense? Yeah, I was kind of curious, like where you where you rated Cardoni at this point, you know? Because no, he, he... Cardoni, like that was, and I know it's kind of sacrilegious, you know, being in San Antonio where he's from, San Antonio. In my opinion, that he was on last year's playoff team. Last year's playoff team was stacked with MLS experience all over the pitch, with the mm-hmm. exception of goalkeeper. So, you know, now Matt, to me, Matt's not, Matt's not going to win you a game, but he's not going to cost you a game if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I, I absolutely understand. I was just kind of curious, you know, cause he, he didn't necessarily have a strong second half last season. But um, if you look at his numbers, yeah, they no, were good. Yeah, no, absolutely. His numbers were good, but um, it's, it's, it's in the re- and I'll just compare this with San, you know, with the two San Antonio goalkeepers. If you look at the numbers from Jordan Farr with Indy Eleven and the poor defense, mm-hmm. the numbers look horrible. And if you look at Matt Cardoni's numbers, they look, you know, they look great. But I think if you look at the the the, the just the ability and the quality, I, I I think most everybody saw. Hey, Jordan Farr you know, is going to be the number one when they sign and, and Kristen Bonilla was, you know, was, was there. I think one aspect that we don't, um, that, that a lot of goalkeepers don't get discussed about 
is the distribution. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge part where Far and Bonilla have over, uh, over Cardoni. And part of the reason why I think that they were looking to kind of make a move off of, off of Cardoni is because of the ability to get the ball out. And to me, I wonder if that's maybe something, you know, with, with New Mexico being able to get that ball out quicker and, and faster for that here. So question for you, Mizell, um, two starts, and I know mm-hmm. it's two tough opponents. He hasn't played poorly, but your thoughts on, on his performance? And I, it's hard because he's had what he left last year, right? Yeah. He was gone for so all of he last was year. off a year and by off, I mean, not getting actual minutes. Yeah. Um, obviously he's getting probably higher quality practice and stuff going against MLS, but you know, game minutes matter as, as we've seen with Stefan with man city, yeah. um, you know, that, that, you know, you got to get some playing action, which is why he's down there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, you look at the options and I know that when, when Cody wasn't out. So uh, I don't know if you, if you went back and I don't know if you heard our open cup post-match uh, that, that Audrey and I did. Um, we, we found out before, prior to that match that Alex had gotten hurt uh, mm-hmm. from Peter. <laughs> uh, you know, club had not put it out there yet. Peter was just walking around the track and was talking to us. And, and um, so we, we posited a question, you know, does New Mexico United bring in a keeper? And if so, who I threw out the name of Cody, I even brought up the Peter. And uh, he didn't say, he, he was he, he, Peter basically, well, wouldn't that be great? You know, if, <laughs> if Cody came back, you know, so I, I floated it out there. And then um, I kind of, you know, reached out to the club. And I said, Hey, is Cody coming back? What, what are the chances of this? And then, you know, they did the teaser. I'm like, that's, I knew exactly who it was. So I texted, you know, the club. I said, Hey, uh, did I will Cody into existence? And <laughs> the response was, I do not know what you're talking about. You know, which which clearly confirmed what you know what I knew, but um, so the signing was was interesting because Casey Gasson, local keeper for the Mexico Runners and uh, Colorado, uh, the MASL two club up there. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name off the top of my head. He was kind of upset because he felt like it was a slap in the face to uh, to Ford Parker, mm-hmm. you know, who had a great season last year in, in League One came came over this year uh did well in his open cup match got thrown in to the santa to the, to the el paso match last minute in the preseason and did well there as well um but for me bringing cody in i think was necessary and i don't think it's any disrespect to, to ford because you know cody cody is a known quantity yes ford did well league one you know that's not to discount his 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 ability or his, his talent. Cause I think he can be a, a top half championship caliber uh, keeper. Cody, I think has done really well. His distribution is very good. I feel like he's made some really good saves. Um, he got the, the goal, the one goal he gave up against Phoenix, you know, really unfortunate uh, how that one happened. Um, so, you know, Cody's just, Cody's been fantastic. And then obviously the penalty against San Antonio the other night. Um, I mean, Cody looked unbeatable. I'll be honest with you. He, he looked unbeatable on Saturday and, you know, it's unlike in FIFA and eFootball, you can't really see which way the, 
the penalty takers got to go in real life. So, um, you know, unfortunately, he, he's made some big saves for us in penalty situations before. So um, I feel like Cody's performance has been great. Um, you know, I, I can't fault him. He hasn't really made any mistakes at the back. Um, he's like I said, his distributions really well. He, he knows what Zach wants to do. He's familiar with the guys. He's able to, to, to get the ball out quickly and, and get things going. And, you know, I think it makes a huge difference having a keeper that has those ability, you know, the distribution, the, the quick play. I think it makes a huge difference, um, between, you know, the top half of the, of the championship and the bottom half of the championship. It's. I can relate to the backup goalkeeper feeling a little bit slighted because that's mm-hmm. how I kind of felt when Far came in the playoffs last year. Um, we had Mercado, a young guy um, that sat behind and, you know, played in a couple of, you know, you know, when we played against League MX teams, uh, the, you know, the friendlies and stuff performed well. So I can understand that, but the quality of my the quality of far is why you bring them in. Um, mm. even though it may ruffle the locker room a, a little bit, um, per se, but I, I think for the better of the team, it's the right decision. Now, the question is, is how long is Mizell going to be here? And, and they said it's going to be a short, a short mm-hmm. loan. Um, yeah, that's yeah, which... the interesting part because NYCFC's announcement said a season long loan. Oh, yeah. If he, if you went and looked at the at the release on their website, it said it says uh, he'd be joining on a season long loan. But New Mexico United said short term, and the front office even confirmed to me that it was short term, which is why he didn't play in the cup. So they said that uh, NYCFC did have the ability to recall him at any time. So, but there was no spe- specified time frame in the loan deal. How is what Tam Baxis, right? You know, yeah. What's the outlook on him coming? We back? don't know. Is it a couple of weeks? Or? Um, so at the Open Cup against uh, Las Vegas, I was told um, a few weeks to a month. Um, and so that's been three weeks now, two weeks, two and a half weeks now. So I don't know. We haven't heard any updates. We don't know. Um, you know, at most clubs, you know, as you know, are pretty tight lipped, you know. Yes, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, people I've there are people complaining on face about that on Facebook the other day. I said, look, as someone who covers the club, like we find out the day before. If you're it, lucky. If we're lucky, you know. And you, David Crawl is uh, the communication director is very good about getting us information like that. And you know, of course, you know, we can reach out to the club at any given point. We have the press conferences every week. Um and I, I told people, I said, you know, stuff can happen between the time we get those notes and then kick off the next day. We've seen it happen. You know, we had a situation last year where Kalen Ryden woke up one day and felt the twinge in his back, just could not go. And so, you know, it was a very late scratch for, for Kalen. And so trying to explain to people, like, you know, they're like, oh, we, we want to, for people, in order for people to be more critical of the, of the formations, you know, if they knew that people were hurt, if they knew that Suggs was hurt the other day, I'm like, well, what do you what do you want like you know there's only so much that that the clubs give us and then there's also the privacy of the players you know um so yeah i think i you know i don't know how long the cody deal is i would expect it to be at least a couple more weeks 
Um, and then we'll see what happens from there. Uh, I just thought it was interesting to see the difference in the, the, the statements. Language, yes. Yeah. And uh, so, cause I know uh, Elaine, a reporter covers Phoenix rising was making a big deal on Twitter about how people thought he was going to be in the cup and this, that, and the other. I'm like, who's making a big deal. Well, I won't lie to you. We, I thought he would have been, yeah. um, you know, but I also understand that probably NYCFC didn't want to have him cup tied. Um, mm-hmm. because we have a, a, you know, Nikki Hernandez, uh, from FC Dallas, um, and we played him during the Open Cup against Austin. And I was kind of surprised about that because, you know, not that, you know, not that I see him starting by any means, but basically if there were a rash of injuries, you know, with FC Dallas and FC Dallas needs him to play in the Open Cup, he can't. Right. So I understand maybe the agreement, hey, you know, we'll loan you, but, you know, um, Open Cup – he's probably not going to play just for the fact that, um, you know, you, you t- it ties them to them. Yeah. So, so you guys have a week off uh, this week. You have a, a bye week. Mm-hmm. Um, good time to have a bye week. Uh, you know, he's nursing some injuries. Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, obviously Alex is out. Josh Suggs is out. Um, <clears throat> we don't have a time frame on Josh Suggs' return. Uh, we don't have a time frame on Kalen's return. We do know that he was in an Instagram post today in a walking boot. Uh-huh. Um, that was last week. As So I don't know what the issue is. My guess is a stress fracture just because of the fact that he is in a walking boot. Um, could, I, could be an ankle issue. We don't really know. The club uh, hasn't really given us details on it, which isn't uncommon. Um, and then Amando, the only other person who's on the report, obviously is still, an, I'd say, two months away. Mm-hmm. It'll be my guess, you know, coming back from the ACL. So, um, but yeah, you know, bye week coming up at this time, I think that's really good. Um, and are well, you guys my bye week? Cause you have two games that you, you, know, you play next yeah. Wednesday, May 4th at Sacramento. And then you come home and play uh, San Diego, which both are uh, quality teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say probably playoff quality uh, for that here. So, yeah. yeah, you get to break this, you, you know, you get what, 10 days off probably, days, most likely. Yeah. Um, yeah, the but, fighting you know, land is going to be fun. <laughs> so, and, and I know you guys will preview the, the sack and, and the, you know, uh, the loyal match next week, but your thoughts on, you know, so if, if you were kind of in charge for, you know, this 10 day period, what kind of changes are you hoping that uh, Coach Prince uh, puts through? Ooh, oh boy. All right. Uh, if I get hired, man, if I was to get hired to manage of New Mexico United for, for these 10 days, um, first of all, after, after the cut, after the match Saturday night, I'm giving the guys their Sunday, Monday off, just give them two days off, you know, get them out. Um, I, so I, I did hear one bit of information the other day. So we were hoping to get a player on tonight. Um, I told Jacob and Earl who was going to be, uh, obviously didn't pan out. Um, you know, I found out one piece of information as, as far as why that didn't happen. Um, you know, and I completely understand why, but you know, give the guys a couple days off, you know, and just rest, recuperate after, especially guys like Nico and Preston who played basically, you know, Nico did 210 minutes in, in 10 days, in eight days. Uh, Preston did, I think it was 
210 to 270, somewhere in there, you know, give the guys a couple of days off, let them rest, recuperate, and then come out. And so there's, there's two things that I want to see focused on in the, in, in this 10 day break, basically one playing through the midfield. I want to see that. I want to see Chris Weehan. I want to see Sergio Rivas. I want to see Justin Portillo. I want to see uh, Kristen Nava working through that midfield, finding ways to work through and get passes. Um, you know, if we're not going to play the long game, if we're not going to play the ball over the top, work that midfield, get them making runs, making uh crossing runs and different things like that to to pull players out of position pull defenders out of position and then working to get that ball forward up to nico up to preston i want to see that number one number two i want to see set pieces i want to see set pieces until they drop you know <laughs> um because that's again that's one of the areas that we've been lacking like i don't feel like we've i don't feel like we've been poor defensively at any point this season um I feel like our guys, even with the injuries we've had, you know, we'll see more Rosh Austin. They've stepped in. They've done a fantastic job. Alexi <laughs> has done a fantastic job. Um, I felt like Austin got slighted yet last year. Should have been USL, you know, first team uh, player of the year. I felt like he should have been, should have been in there um, or team of the year. I should say. Um, but yeah, I want to see a set pieces. I want to see a lot of set piece defending. Um, so yeah, those are the two things that I, that I'm going to focus on, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, work going through the first, working the ball through the midfield uh, with bees and those guys creating opportunities. The chances are going to fall. You know, create more opportunities, create create more high quality opportunities, and that's something we've talked about a lot. Talked about earlier in the show. When you create quality opportunities and not half chances and things like that, you're going to get more looks at goal. You're going to you're going to see more shots fall. So that's what I want to see. Um, you know, obviously, hopefully we get some guys back and healthy and get healthy. Um, and that's the case, you know, if Alex does come back, you know, what happens, you know, do we keep Cody for an extra match or two? But other than that, like, you know, just I want to see those things focused on because that's where our weaknesses are right now. It, it'll be interesting because I, I think I think that New Mexico's in kind of that interesting spot just with their schedule mm-hmm. to where you know you look at it they're already 10 points out from first place yeah um now they're only one point out from the seventh slot so and rgv's played an extra game so they're not in poor position but you know you don't you know Going to Sacramento is not easy. Who's in six with with ten points? Same 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 matches uh, played, and then San Diego eight matches played at sixteen points. You know, to me, five wins, two losses, one draw. You know, you know has been quality, and one of their losses was to Louisville City in, in a heavily rotated lineup uh, as they were trying to you know prepare for for the Galaxy in the Open Cup. Mm-hmm. To me, those are you know you know. To me, those are key matches to where you hope they at least get three points um, out of it. But you know, you know, you you know, you know, out, out of those two matches, and I know you guys will go into it much deeper next week. But you know, as as just a fan, you know, of the league here um, for New Mexico, you know, it's it's 
you know, you, you look at the schedule and, and then, you know, what's coming up, you know, it's, you, you've got to start, you, you've got to start getting, you know, putting, putting some points on, on, on the board. Now, like I said here, you know, it's, it's still early. Um, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's still a lot left in the season, but it's been my experience, you know, where you don't, you don't want to drop too far behind, um, on there. And, and I do think, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 are, are just going to, you know, it's, it's going to be tight all year. Yeah. But <clears throat> I know going in New Mexico had higher expectations than just sneaking into the playoffs. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, finding points, um, the rest of the way is going to be interesting. You know, you look at the rest of the schedule, you know, I think RGVs, I mean, there's some clubs that are, that are beatable, Correct. you know, out there. Um, do I think Colorado and San Diego, uh, do I think some of these clubs maintain their form? Uh, I don't think Las Vegas does. You know, we talked about it a little bit over the weekend. You know, if, if uh, LAFC comes in and starts, you know, swooping for players, you know, uh, specifically Danny Trejo, you know, what happens to Las Vegas? You know, uh, does Sacramento have enough? Uh, you know, the, I don't think Colorado maintains. I could be wrong. I think I disagree with Colorado. I think they're a more balanced team this year. Mm-hmm. So they're not as high flying scoring wise. And, and like, you know, Haji Berry, you know, I think he got what his first goal this year, uh, yeah. this last week here. So they're not as, they're a lot more balanced. Um, San Diego, I think, is a lot more balanced. Rising, they're still they're they're still a quality team. Um, I'm not a big Sacramento fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know USL Tactics John is. I you know you know I know they got Rodrigo Lopez back you know who who came back you know was a keen pain for RGV last year and is back with Sacramento. RGV. They keep saying that they've got more players coming, that they're waiting for visa issues. They're an interesting team that I wonder if second half is going to be much better. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of El Paso this year. Orange County struggling. Um, I'm not sure what to make of the defending champs and, and Galaxy and Roots. And, and, you know, sorry, Sam Gladel, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of Monterey Bay, um, you know, through here. So, um, I want, you know, it, I'm kind of interested to see what San Antonio does with Monterey Bay. If they kind of rotate the lineup a little bit, just because they only used one sub last week. Uh, yeah. And that was after playing 120 minutes against, uh, you know, El Paso, uh, not against, against Austin FC and, you know, a 90 minute match against El Paso the, the Saturday before. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you about Phoenix. Um, and, and, you know, I honestly, like there was a, there, there was a so we put out a, a post match tweet after the Open Cup match, and one of the <laughs> Phoenix Rising supporters basically said that we were we calling them a quality side <laughs> to make us feel better about ourselves. That, that, like Phoenix is, I've never said Phoenix is not a quality side. Are they the Phoenix same? Is Phoenix is a great regular season club. It's yeah. it's the postseason that they struggle at where defense matters. Yeah, that's like, it's, history says that. I don't think they're the same quality as they've been the past couple of years, but they are, they are a quality side. They're a good side. I've never said the, that they weren't. So uh, I think they, you know, they're a club that I think is going to be contention. But yeah, I, I agree with you with, uh, with pretty much everything you said there, you know, 
uh, Monterey Bay, who knows what's going to happen out there. Um, I know they haven't played a game at home, but, you know, uh, El Paso just has no clue what they're doing. They're just, you know, that train keeps going backwards off the cliff. Um, <laughs> Oakland Roots are unbeaten, but they, they've only won once. So, you know, I I don't know, man. Like, there, there's just so much out there. And I wanted to ask you about Saturday against Monterey Bay. You know, mm-hmm. seventh match in 28 days for San Antonio. Uh, you mentioned possibly seeing some club rotation out there, you know, especially with how congested the schedule has been for you guys. Like, how, if, how much rotation do you think there will be? And, even with that, do you think Monterey could potentially sneak a point out of this? Could they? Yes. Okay. Because they're still a USL championship team. Well, I mean, when you buy the rights to a franchise. <laughs> so Monterey Bay reminds me of the Roots last year, mm-hmm. where they had the slow start to adjust, weren't playing at home a lot of travel. I know they've got a thin roster. I know they've had some injuries. They, they actually get a home game next week. Um, they'll have their first home, home match. I think it is after ours. Could they get a win? Sure. Um, Cause no offense for San Antonio. Last week was probably one of the most impressive weeks. They beat El Paso at home. They beat Austin FC at home. And they won in New Mexico. If you would have told me that San Antonio was going to get nine points, you know, win all three, I I thought they would beat El Paso because I, I don't rate El Paso very highly. I thought Austin FC, I thought, was – it's an MLS club, but just with the the – how personal that match was. It, it wouldn't shock me if San Antonio won. Now, MLS, you know, they're in Austin FC is, you know, obviously a quality MLS team. Um, and they're showing that in the standings. I think they're, what, second in the West right now, uh, mm-hmm. early in the season. But just how personal that was, um, I, I think that was there. That's why I was kind of, I made the comment to AJ on the trip over. I was like, after they got that win against Austin, you kind of wondered, you know, how much, number one, how much they had left in the tank and how much emotion that that came. Um, but, you know, you know, they came, they came out with, you know, match the intensity of, of New Mexico and, and was able to, uh, you know, you know, sneak away with, with all three points. My worry is this is that perfect trap game mm-hmm. where you're coming off a real high. You've got kind of a week to settle. Next week, San Antonio plays at Phoenix, plays at Houston Dynamo in the Open Cup, and then the following Saturday plays at the Miami FC, all on the road. So if there's going to be a match which you're going to do a little bit of, of uh, match rotation or roster rotation, it's the Monterey Bay one. Um, against Rising, you know, if they lose, you know, I would say, hey, if you get a tie, it's fine. But then you lose the tiebreakers to Phoenix Rising because the first one's head to head. So they've already got, you know, the win over us. So if we if if you know if we can go in and snatch a point, you know, we'd actually have to win by you know, you know, win 
by two goal, you know, ha, you know, like a two zero match, and then that puts you know points per game in conference opponents. Um, if not rising, when when's the when's the tiebreaker? So that's one of the things that I know it's crazy to say. Hey, in what we're what in April, April May timeframe, worrying about tiebreakers, but it matters. It's you know we've seen playoff positions, you know, being able to host compared to playing on the road makes a, it can make a huge huge difference and you know the the more uh, you know the more victories you can get and you know one of the worrying things that for San Antonio is is yeah they're getting the three points but if in the second half if their defense starts league or if they get you know injuries you know because of the minutes that they're playing on playing the players if they lose lose matches in the second half you know they start losing these tiebreakers that 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 could that that's gonna tiebreakers are gonna come into play at some point during the season, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And that's my concern for New Mexico at this point, with especially dropping points at home. Is if you can if, you know, and it's like what we talked about. If you can get the three points at home and then draw one on the road, you're good. Yeah. But it's losing it's losing late to you know what to uh OC and and um or in, uh, and, and Oakland, what, 90-plus minutes, I think, late, late goals like that, that could make a determination on whether you're hosting in, in that first round or whether you're on the road. Yeah, yeah, the schedule is a really interesting thing to see. And just, and I, and I want to ask you this, too, real quick. So you mentioned you've got uh, Rising next weekend mm-hmm. uh, on the 7th. We also have Rising on, in, May, uh, in May. Both cl- Both of our clubs are getting Rising out of the way early this season. Um, we actually still have an unscheduled uh, date against Los Dos. Um, so the schedule looks a little funky this year. Normally we kind of see it spread out at least a little bit more. What do you, what do you think about getting a club like rising out of the way so fast? Do you think it helps your club do that? Or do you think it's better to have that test later in the season when you're gearing up for that playoff run? I'd rather get the tough tests over early, you know, especially okay. for a rising club. Generally speaking, they're, they're, more beatable earlier in the year than they are towards the end of the year. And, you know, along those lines. Um, but whenever you play rising, especially in Phoenix, it's always a challenge. It, you know, it's, it's it, to me, like I said, I, it's probably Phoenix and New Mexico out West. And I haven't been to the new Colorado Springs place, uh, you know, new stadium. I haven't been there. To me, the the fans in in Phoenix and the fans in New Mexico are probably the two toughest places, you know, as a San Antonio fan, to go on the road to. Mm-hmm. So if you can knock those out early, um, you know, you know, and especially if you can, you know, let's say between the two split points, you know, you know, get six out of the twelve points. If you can walk away, kind of, you know, you know, where you're not losing points to them then I think that's an advantage. But later in the year, teams change, though. That's 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 rising as a team that we've seen that will come will will make additions to to make sure that they get that late, late push. And I guess that's the question for New Mexico is, are they a team that that will that will make those adjustments? I don't know if they last year, they kind of did. They brought in. And I know we we had discussions on this on did they do the right thing by bringing in some of the old old 
yeah, old uh, older New Mexico United players, as opposed to kind of cycling in some, you know, you know, you know, some new blood, you know, along those lines. And, you know, that may be why, you know, we, you know, there's, you know, you have coach Prince now and, and along those lines. So I think it'll be interesting to see what adjustments New Mexico does. San Antonio has the history where if they need, if they need uh, something in addition to help push them over, they will go out and get it. Yeah. Um, Sacramento, I think, is like that. Uh, San Diego has shown that. Uh, Colorado Springs, I think, will show that. To me, the I don't think RGV is. I don't think the lights are. Um, El Paso, you know, is it, uh, you know, like I said here, I'm on the fence on El Paso. New Mexico is the one to me where. I don't know if I've seen that to where they've really gone out and got that it player that, that, that they, that they needed to get. Yeah. Last year was the first time we'd ever made any sort of mid season roster move. And I think I, you know, talking with Peter, talking with, with the ownership group, you know, they, they seem, they come across as committed. Like they want to win. Oh, they are committed. You know, are and committed. so they're willing. I think we've shown this off season, especially they're willing to spur, to splash some cash to bring some guys in. You know, Preston with with Nico with, you know, uh, I assume there's some sort of financial you know part to Cody's loan. You know that they're that they're paying for, um, and so like they're willing to 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 to, to put the cash out there, but do they like, like you said? Do they make those mid season or late season moves? I I think they do this year. I think they saw last year just how big of a difference that can make. Now, obviously, they're they're kind of running out of former New Mexico United players to bring back in. <laughs> um, now, I think the one I think bringing in these, bringing in Salim Muhammad last year, were the right moves for that time. Um, Probably should have done a little bit sooner. Probably, you know, we, obviously we had a stretch last year. We didn't have favorable results, but um, I think it was the right move last year. I think this year we, I think we do see a couple moves, um, probably around July, August, uh, to bring some. Do you think they need to make moves sooner than that? Did you think... mention the midfield's kind of a weakness right now? Yeah is if they and, and it's all about scouting um being able to find the right piece do you could you see then obviously they made the move for for myzel and, and part of that was probably need mm-hmm. um but you know like I said here you know we're what seven eight games into the season you know for you know six six to eight games and they're 10 points out from you know from the top of the division and the only reason why i mentioned that is you know, because I know you guys have talked about it. I know, you know, you know, New Mexico, um, you know, you know, on their social media posts that have have put a more emphasis that they want to they want to have a better season, um, yeah. result wise in the standings. And, and I'm not saying winning at all, but you know, they don't want to be sneaking into the playoffs at yet, you know, seven, six, you know. Yeah, I'm assuming the goal for them is to ha- is to host a playoff game. Um, because that's special, you know, like I said here, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the lab on a playoff game would, you know, would just, it would be intense, you know, it, you know, it was special when we were there this past weekend, but you can't tell me, you know, the city of Albuquerque would not be buzzing to be able to host, host a playoff game. Oh yeah, no, we absolutely would. You know, I think it would be, it would be absolutely huge for the club. 
And you know, given the timing of <coughs> the USL playoffs, you know, you know, we mentioned earlier, you know, obviously the, the isotopes wouldn't be playing at that point. Most likely. Um, yeah, because they don't. Well, I mean, they're done at the end of September, or so. Unless um, they make the playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I, I would hate to go back to UNM for a, especially for a playoff match because i mean we had we had 11 almost 11 and a half thousand people on saturday mm-hmm. um you know i mean we've we've gotten the lab to over fifteen thousand. so you know it's i mean yeah i couldn't imagine the playoff atmosphere if, if we were to host uh, if we were to host a match and um i think we do need to sign someone a little bit sooner I would say probably start looking in May and you know have you know, try to line someone up in May and June. That way they do have time to come in and gel, especially since there are guys that won't be familiar with the club. You know, I mean David Estrada is gone, David Najem is not coming back. You know, basically, you know it, it's gonna have to be a fresh face, someone who doesn't know Zach's system. Someone's gonna need time to gel with the players. So. um yeah, if they do sign up, it needs to be sooner. But I definitely think it's something that's on their radar this year more so than in the past. Because um, yeah, the the midfield needs some work. You know, the we're getting a little thin at defense, but you know, with the injury situation as that clears up, you know, it's going to get better. I think Radio Vuka could be one of the best left backs in the league. Um, you know, we've seen him do well in his limited appearances so far. So. Um, I think he's, you know, I think the pieces are nearly complete because we have, we have dynamic forwards. You know, we need better playmakers in the middle of the field to help facilitate that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's got to happen sooner. And I think it would be a massive disappointment this year, more so than last year, uh, if we didn't make the playoffs. Because what is the playoff structure? So the first seed gets a bye. Mm-hmm. So it'd be two versus seven, then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which right now would be, you know, San Antonio, San Antonio, and uh, RGV. So <laughs> I don't think I don't think RGV stays in it, but I think it, to me the current pace on on how New Mexico is, they're they're heading for that six or seven slot. Yeah. Which, you know, getting into the playoffs is, is there. And, and unfortunately for San Antonio, as we've seen, uh, New Mexico has came into our place during the playoffs and pulled out, you know, pulled out the win. You know, uh, you know, we, we can discuss whether it was a handball or not. Um, you know, still. <laughs> <laughs> show me show me definitive proof that it was a handball, and I will say it was a handball. Uh, so it, that's going to be one of those where it's uh, depending on if you liked yellow or black uh, <laughs> or yellow or red, I guess, because you guys also have black in yours is, yeah. is how you're going to view that. Yeah, okay. that's one of the things that USL has got to get right is penalties. Um, well, VA. MLS can't get it. MLS <laughs> right. can't get it right as well as we saw <laughs> with the Dynamo and, and FC Dallas were. So, but yeah, it's, it is one thing that I wanted to ask you, the PK. Yeah. Did you mm. think – I thought it was because contact started in the box. It was on the line. I thought it was a valid PK. Now, uh, obviously, when I was standing up and yelling in the stands and, and waving my flag, <laughs> and, you know, I pinpointed my wife. I'm like, look, that's me. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, she did what they said, you know, what everybody in the crowd said was sit down. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, your thoughts on the PK, I know uh, there were some rumblings in the stands about the, the, the referee, which. Yeah. Um, unlike last year, he, you know, he wasn't super card happy, which <laughs> I was kind of shocked about. I think yeah. we only had, I thought we had more cards than what we than what we ended up with, but he only reported two cards. I thought for a fact that we had more than two cards, but I, I'm you know, you know yeah, I'll take was... I'll take the two cards. Yeah, you you guys had two, we had five, so you know, um, no, he Radchuk had a, had an interesting match, um, and, and I always hate to, to to talk about the referees, but you know, this is a guy that. You know, obviously last year, 15, you know, 14 yellows and then a red, mm-hmm. uh, which was very close to a world record. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I, I was, it was very interesting to see what happened. And he started calling some really ticky tack stuff there in the second half. And then there were other things that he wasn't calling that yes. seemed to be the more consistency drove me crazy. Yeah. And there, yeah, there's just no consistency there. And then, and as far as the penalty goes, you know, from my perspective, watching it, you know, live and then looking at the replays, it looked to me like so the ball was outside of the box. Dylan, I think it was Dylan that that drew the foul, right? Mm -hmm. Dylan's right foot was inside the box, but his he was outside the box, and so. The contact started outside, and I think it was a silly foul. It was a silly contact to be making in any case. Um, but I felt like it. I felt like if I felt like it wasn't a penalty, just because where when I look at it, where the contact started, you know, because they were going at you know they were going at it, and they they had contact outside the box. But when he went down, his foot was inside. So. I feel like if you called it the other way, if he had called it, you know, no penalty, I feel like the San Antonio fan base is going to be upset. Call it a penalty. New Mexico fan base is going to be upset. It's one of those calls that it's it's so hard to make. Here's my issue with it: mm-hmm. when he watching the replay, his first instinct was pointing to the spot. Yeah, and then he changed it to. It was, but then, but then he was like, "Hey, it was outside the box." And then he went and talked to the AR. Yeah, that was the that to me was the part that drove me crazy. Is I think it, you know, I think contact started in the box. So, uh, and, and like I said, here, obviously, I don't, you know, have yellow and black glasses on, so I'm seeing it from <laughs> from a different perspective, obviously. Yeah. So I thought San Antonio fans probably like, yes, that that was the correct call. But I think one of the biggest the, and, and I'm not trying to, to dismiss, you know, Mr. Radchuk at all or anything along those lines, but that inconsistent was on that, that call that he did was very inconsistent because he pointed yes. towards the PK, but his actions showed, Hey, it was a foul outside yeah. the box. And I think that led to the confusion both for the players on the pitch. Cause when initially happened, San Antonio was San Antonio, New Mexico players, both were like, what are you calling? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those, whatever he calls, neither fan base is going to be happy. It just, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's on that line. Um, you know, you, you can argue whether New Mexico should, should, should or shouldn't have, you know, 
made the foul. They did foul. The question mm-hmm. is, is with it that close to the line? You know, unfortunately, you open yourself up to up to that call. And um, to me, I just wish he would have been a little bit more confident in what decision that he made yeah. initially. Um, I was happy yeah. that he had the discussion with the AR. I, I think that, you know, and I know you're working on your referee licenses. That's what that's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. So be confident in your decisions and stick by them. <laughs> and but and if you do have some questions, talk, which, which I yeah. have no problem him doing. It's just that that inconsistency, you know, through the match, you know, that that drove both that drove all fans crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, for that here. So um uh but you know, my final comment, you know, like like said here, uh one, you know, like I said here, you guys have a class owner with Peter. You know, we saw him after the match, and, and you know, he was gracious. And there was what four of us that that uh, made the trip up. Um, you know, he was per pure class. Um, but even the fans, like I said here, it was one one of the things that I I liked here, and I tweeted about it is at least in section one nineteen. You know, with all the fans that were sitting next to. It seemed like a family reunion among you know New Mexico fans, where you know everybody's hey, welcome by, hey, how are you doing? How's the kids? Along those lines, you know, you could tell a lot of them yeah. you know, had had club things, so that was pretty cool. Um, but just on some of the banter, uh, you know, one of the funniest things was, uh, you know, it, it happened uh, on Collier shot uh, that, um, you know, that you know that that uh, Mizell saved, and you know, one of the guys, you know, uh, from behind me was kind of like. See, San Antonio can't even, you know, can't, you know, can't score a goal. And I responded back to him. I was like, well, at least we can get it on frame. <laughs> he's like, that was, you know, we did the fist bump because he's yeah. like, he's like, yeah, that, that was, that, that was a good one. We were struggling offensively when, you know, to, to convert our chances and he called us out. But uh, like I said here, as a way fan and I know rising fans give you guys a lot of uh, shit and, and I give you some grief, uh, uh, you know, New Mexico fans online, but you know, the game day experience, like I said, was awesome. And uh, like I said, it's something that if the games can be on, on a Saturday again, um, we'll, we'll try to make the trip. Although it is a, a long trip and gas at four something a gallon uh, was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit tough to swallow. <laughs> at least I think I think at least it was a little bit cheaper over the weekend here. I think it was uh like three eighty nine or something over the weekend. But. Uh, yeah, but you know when you get out to West Texas and stuff, yeah. it was like four. Like we paid four eighteen at one stop, and it was just like. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah, I know when I went down to El Paso for the for that match, it was uh right around there's like four four oh nine, four thirteen, mm-hmm. something like that. I was like, this is ridiculous, you know. Cause I made it down, I made it down and back to Las Cruces before I had to get gas. So um, but yeah, you know, I think 119, I think it's a lot of support. I think that's a lot of season ticket holders over in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I you know, I I watch I haven't been to two I have the only away match I've been to is El Paso. And you know, I think us El Paso Phoenix um and you guys and uh all have fantastic like game day atmospheres. You know, Colorado just, Springs is in there now too with their new, I haven't been there but I've mm-hmm. heard their new stadium it just the game day environment uh you know with the what the Trailheads is their supporters group. Yeah. Um you know they're they you know it it's it's on my bucket list. Uh, I know San Antonio plays with uh, plays them in June. Um and yeah, tentatively we're scheduled to go up, although there might be some some things that pop up health wise here that we may have to adjust that. But 
um, to, you know, to me, like I said, Colorado Springs, um, you know, the, that Southwest area, like I said here, I'm just real passionate um, fan bases. And, and to me, and no disrespect to our California friends, but it's, it's, it's not the same out in California. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's just not, it's. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And you know, I, I know that I don't generally jump in on a whole lot of the banter. Like I know I've kind of poked at <laughs> El Paso a little bit this year, you know, especially, you know, well, it's they fun. Say, They're down. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. It's fun, you know, but yeah, I typically don't go back and forth, but with a whole bunch of people on it. And I know I took, I kind of took exception to what, uh, what the striker Texas said about United being an inferior club after beating El Paso. Um, yes, I pointed that out to you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, wait, what? It just didn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, but, and I know, you know, Phoenix loves to get on us. El Paso loves to get on us. And, and uh, you know, I, like I said, I don't, I don't partake, but I think, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I think there are some people that do go a little too far, on both sides. On both, yeah, it's on both it's on sides. On both sides, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, you know, I will definitely, hundred percent agree with that. There are some people on both sides that take it too far, but you know, as long as it's good natured, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, and you know, you're not pulling what that uh, that Houston Dynamo podcast did. Um, yeah, that was bad. That was yeah, bad. yeah. Um, but yeah, you talk about Peter. Peter's Peter's fantastic. I love talking to Peter. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple times. I've done some one on one stuff with him, and you know, before before every match, you know, he, he's down on the field. He's talking to people. Mm-hmm. He's walking around the stadium, talking to folks, you know, he's out at the tailgates. He's, you know, around, he's at, he's always at the office. Like he's, you stop in and want to talk to like, Peter will come down and talk to you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he comes in the press box. He greets everybody, you know, like, you know, every single time I'm up there, he comes, Hey man, how you doing? You know, fist bump, shake, you know, hug, you know, and it's like, so let's get out there. Let's get, you know, let's get the points. And, you know, obviously, you know, he gives us the, you know, the hashtag Pete leaks every now and then. So, um, but you know, Peter, the, the entire ownership group, you know, Peter, Ron, you know, the, the front office folks, they are so incredibly passionate about, about this game, about this club, about this city. And like, you just, you see it in the way that they interact with everybody. And, you know, even when, you know, when so traveling supporters like you're like yourself or, mm-hmm. you know, even they'll pass or Phoenix folks come in, like there are more than one to go out and, and talk to them and hang out with them and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a great thing to see, you know? So, and I think it just, it, they're just, they're ambassadors for, for the sport and for the club and what they want to do. And then just everything, you know, through this almost Anitos foundation. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, the club announced today, they're doing tryouts for the U 23s mm-hmm. and someone tried to give them shit for charging for tryouts is 99 bucks to come out, try out for the U 23s you get like some, some gear and like a, a match ticket and some others too. And like, you know, that, that's a semi pro club. They're not an Academy. So it's not going to be, it's not fully funded, you know? So like people trying to give them crap for charging people to come out and try out. I'm like, well, that's not uncommon. Yeah. You know, for, especially for semi pro clubs. So, you know, plus the yeah. thing that you have to look at is if you perform well enough, you could get moved up to the first team. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and you know, we've seen, we've all, and, and we, we cringe about it as fans, but the thing that I think as fans that we have to understand is this is, this is a business as much as we love that it's a game. Mm-hmm. This is a major business. San Antonio, you know, charges for, you know, for tryouts, you know, RGV does everybody charges for tryouts. Now you could argue a semi-pro 
for that here. And I think if it was a quote unquote traditional semi pro team, yeah, you may not see it, you know, may not see a hundred dollars, but I think even for some of them, they do just because that's a point of revenue that they, that they can have to, to bring in. Plus typically if it, you know, I'm assuming New Mexico United is going to be paying for player registrations and kits and all that type of stuff. So yeah, it's a small fee to, to try it, you know, try out and, and you may or may not make it, but the plus side to be able to do is number one, if you can get minutes and you can excel, you know, you know, you've got kind of that, that secondary pipeline, you know, especially, you know, if New Mexico United, you know, gets their academy up and running and, and starts to see, you know, starts to see it cycle through to where maybe get some fringe, you know, fringe, uh, you know, fringe level players, you know, let's say like for, for Nava, if he needs minutes to be able to go down to the, you know, to the, what it's a USL, USL two team, right. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding. Yeah. Where they play for a couple of months during the year and, and you know, this might be a discussion for, you know, for a different day, depending on what the new NCAA rules are that may be changing going forward as well, as far as how USL league two operates. Uh, you know, if, if college goes to a more uh, fuller schedule, you know, that matches, you know, the, the entire year. So. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, you know, talking about the U23s, I mean, there's their schedule kicks off in a month, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and you know, one of the things they're doing, you talk about, you know, the club paying for for registration and kits and all that kind of stuff. You know, the club is also going to be uh, featuring the U23s around the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be playing in different locations around the state to, to showcase the U twenty three. So, like, they're going to play over. Uh, they're going to play in Roswell. They're going to play at Mesa del Sol, which is right down the road here. Um, they're going to play up in Santa Fe. They're, so, like, they're going to play in Taos. So they're going to be all over the place. So, you, you've also got travel and lodging and, and things like that. I mean, great. There's probably not going to be a whole lot of lodging, um, but you know, it, it's a it's a great opportunity. And I think this is one of the, one of the areas that USL is excelling, you know, mm-hmm. because you see more clubs starting up academies. You see more clubs getting involved with league one, league two. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned Christian Nava. Nava's already been signed to a professional contract at, at the age of 17. You know, uh, we've got uh, Amando Zarate, who's also, who was also signed, you know, he, he's in there. Uh, we haven't seen a feature with the first team club, but he's in their training. The, like, the academy gets their training with the first team. You know, they're getting, and when they're not, they're getting develop, developmental help, you know, from guys like David Estrada, from Devin Sandoval, you know. And so it's just, it's this giant opportunity. And I imagine the U23s will be involved in that as well, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's just the, the growth of the sport. And I think, like I said, USL excels over at this over MLS, in my opinion. And as far as all the other, you know, Division Two, II, Division Three uh, prospects, Nisa, who are absolute shit show right now, uh, the latest nonsense from AC Syracuse, um, you know, like, I don't see Nisa ever becoming what USL is. I don't see uh, NPSL, UPSL, EP. I don't see any of them ever getting, ever reaching the level that USL is at, and. You know, maybe it comes to a point where they all just eventually just become feeder leagues. You know, if Nisa can't be financially feasible, you know, there's a very real chance that Nisa, you know, folds, um, which would, you know, be another growth opportunity for, for USL as provided the you know, ownership can, can can continue to grow and be, you know, find a way to become financially stable. But 
you know, it's, it's an exciting time for USL, exciting time for, for soccer. And, you know, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens, you know, in the coming months and, and years with this. So. Yeah. I hope Nisa doesn't because I think they help push uh, USL. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they got some growing pains uh, to go through, but it'll be interesting with Nisa, but uh, it's getting late for me, my friend. Um, yes, sir. So I know we've been doing this for a little while. We went, we went a full match. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, I appreciate you being here. Um, you know, we've talked about, you're always welcome on the show. You know, uh, you invited, you invited, you've invited yourself on the show. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. yeah and, and we love having you on. You're, you're a fantastic friend of the show. You are, you're, you're an ambassador for the sport for San Antonio soccer. Um, so uh, for the folks that don't, for some, if there's some reason they don't know you, that um, tell a little bit, a little bit about the other podcasts that you do and where they can find those. Yeah, so the podcast that I do mainly is the SA Soccer Roundtable. Uh, we cover um, San Antonio FC. Obviously, um, we're going to start picking up. Uh, we have a uh, now two uh, uh, UWS teams: the SA Runners and the. Um, San Antonio Athenians uh, for that here. So we're going to start picking up coverage on them as they kick off. I want to say probably about the same time as your U23 team does uh, for that here. Um, high school coverage, although that's kind of wrapped up here. Um, but really, it, we, we try to talk about all things San Antonio soccer. Um, and like I said here, you know, it's SATX soccer uh, is the Twitter handle. Obviously, um, if you follow me, it's at Ram and Call, and and you know I'm very shy and bashful. I don't say anything on Twitter, no, or social never. media. Um, <laughs> I share my opinions probably a little bit too much. I probably listen to way too many podcasts and, and try to help promote as much as I can through there. Um, if you, I think I still have it pinned on my Twitter page, um, but I created a USL guide. Uh, for uh, USL Championship League One and NISA on podcasts uh, for that here. So I believe I have that pinned. If not, I'll go through and, and make sure it is pinned up. Um, you know, if you uh, obviously uh, listen to uh, Somos Mas uh, for that here, but if you want to hear about a rival that you're going to be facing, um, typically you can go on there and, and listen. And uh, there's just quality podcasts out there um i know uh, seriously loco is what you know one of the favorite ones that i have i know they speak about the team that you guys dislike the most um <laughs> but uh you know like i said here phil you know phil and mika do a wonderful job just like you guys do so proud to kind of help in any way i can uh, to the community and and you know just like you do kind of help grow the game you know the, the way that i can obviously I wasn't blessed with blazing speed or soccer ability, so uh, I can talk. And uh, I typically fairly educated uh, hot takes, um, sometimes uh, not so much. But I think majority of the time I, I can at least explain them halfway decent. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Uh, that's going to do it for Harry and myself. As he said, follow him over on Twitter at Ramacall. Follow SA, at SATX Soccer uh, for his other podcasts and for you know for U- more just USL takes, MLS takes, and uh, political takes as well. Um, I know you've had some interesting uh, – I try not to, but every once in a while it slips every, through. Uh, I, well, I mean – I, I, I tried and tried, but, you know, sometimes – uh, I know the big one today is the waiving of student loans, but you know we won't yeah. delve into that conversation. But well, I mean, with Governor Abbott, you know, it's kind of hard not to. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
we're not Florida, although it's close. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, folks. That's going to do it for us. For Harry, for myself, uh, Jacob and Earl, who are not here tonight. Thank you guys so much for watching, listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.